0: All right, everybody, welcome to the 10th episode of the Vertical Play Podcast, a Rainbow Six podcast hosted by Iron Mountain. I am joined today by my co host. Don Lamb and Cynical. Uh, Killam will be joining us shortly, uh, we hope, but, and he'll, he'll be in here. So uh, today what we're going to be talking about is the invitational event, since we didn't get to talk too much about the event itself. And we'll kind of let that event timeline bleed us into uh, what's going on in esports right now. So this is going to be a very esports-focused episode. Uh, Don, I believe that you have our first game. We are going to be doing a big focus on a little story that I call The Fanatic Run of Glory. Thanks, Don.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, The Fanatic Run of Glory and also The Fall of the Empire, you know, which is always lovely. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, preparing for this, I did not, but I recall <laughs> the events w- when they occurred. Um, I was hoping to rewatch them. I started at work and then, you know, work happened, but I mean, it was really, I'm not sure if it was so much Fnatic being glorious and amazing or like, you know, the Russian didn't bring the hammer and sickle to the game. Like, I mean, they had their kid gloves on. It looked like, I mean, it was two maps. seven one, seven, three on cafe and seven, five on clubhouse it was definitely was uh, the russians being neutered it definitely felt like um mm-hmm. i don't know what were your all thoughts i didn't really see fanatic as like these like king slayers just i mean it seemed really easy and smooth i mean maybe they were just playing that well that like it just looked really easy for them um but at home that's not the impression i got
0: personally in my opinion i think people kind of underestimate Fnatic. i think that they really are that just that good of a team to be honest with you uh what we saw i think was Fnatic kind of coming in in group stages but kind of exiting before the uh the playoff before the semifinals actually happened um it, you know on friday you look at them on monday versus watching them on friday and they were two very different teams i think that they kind of let it get to their head that they were they were uh, so far ahead hey Killum's here <laughs> Sorry, Yay. We're, we just we just started the first map uh, okay so cool, cool, cool. or the first match so i think that i do think that Fnatic is really that good i really honestly do Hold um, I, I just... there is
1: something about them as like the Kingslayers because if you recall oh, yeah. i don't remember which event it was but they put eg in their place back when eg was actually something to be scary when they is had that, um that
0: invitational 2018 that they did that no, no. that may have Ichi been it was the when they they no, had a no. sub Ichi right the stage then
1: yeah it was when their coach was even playing for them and they just put them like right in their place i remember i remember that match better because i recall thinking it was hilarious that they had ying with the shotgun and they were just going in was and just that, like destroying
0: everyone was that raleigh group stages
1: no nah, it was before no, that it was a stage. Yeah.
0: yeah i don't remember anyway continue
1: but yeah, no, I mean it. I mean, you it, it may be right that maybe it really was that they're underestimated. It just really felt like, and we saw that even before with Empire versus Dark Zero. Like again, it really just seemed like you know the Russians left the, you know, hammer and sickle at home.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think again, uh, you know, Fnatic I think is underestimated, but I do think you're right in saying that uh, Empire is was not coming in full strength. I think they thought that well, we're Empire, we're going to win. And people were ready for them.
2: I don't think it was so much as Empire thought they were the big dogs, though. I just feel like it, it comes and goes with uh, LAN events because it's a different experience. Granted, yes, they've had experience with LAN and also winning, I believe it was last season's No, the season before Pro League. or There was Na'Vi last and then Empire before that, I believe, I think. Or no, that was Milan. Sorry. Um, but it just... It just comes up that APAC is always the underdogs in my opinion because no one really pays too much attention to them at all. Fair, and, and I think that this is great for Fnatic in my opinion. Magnet and you know the rest of the squad I think are some people that are going to be showing that APAC is some you know something to mess with now because. They definitely they took an Empire and they took a G2. Like, come on. yeah
1: Oh, I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, you're right. I forgot yeah, about that. that's the
0: next match we were going to talk about, actually, and that's a perfect transition, is the G2 versus Fnatic map. You know, it wasn't nearly as close, but I think, and I was just listening to, I think it was Veli's podcast that was on uh, his Twitch channel today, and they were talking about this. Um, I think really, like, G2 and Empire kind of started to take things too seriously and they weren't playing their best. When you look at the G2 Fnatic game in the playoffs, it does seem like G2 is like, we're G2. We shouldn't let them, lo- we shouldn't lose to them. And then they, they kind of let that get to their heads and they, they weren't playing on their game. You see in game one, they were doing just fine. Uh, you know, G2 was looking good with a 7-5 on cafe. But then, you know, a, a 7-4 goes to Fnatic on border and Villa gets a 7-5. So, I mean, they were putting up a fight probably more than empire was but ultimately at the end of the day Fnatic was looking like the better team g2 went didn't expect to be there and i think they played the group phase fa- group stage for fun and then when they made it out to the playoffs they're like hey we might actually have a chance here and then once they let it get too serious in their heads that's when they started to fall that's kind of how i see it what, what do you guys think yeah i mean
3: <clears throat> i know fanatic like they definitely came out really strong. Um, and I think by the time we got to, like, the – what was it? The semi-quarter or whatever whatever it was leading it up to the quarterfinals. It's
2: playoffs, quarter, semis. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um When they started really getting into, like, the meat and potatoes of, like, the teams that they were obviously <clears> – <throat> well put together and doing their homework. Um, Whereas I feel like the wins that they got at the beginning of the whole series was that just off the fact that they're kind of coming in with a chip on their shoulder and they have some relatively veterans uh, on their team. So, I mean, they're, they're not foreign to being on a stage like that, but the standout in all of those matches was Tex, and he's never played in a scenario like that before. And that was the one thing that kind of stood out to me is the fact that here they have, you know, pretty much a Challenger League player who's coming from, you know, not that big of a Challenger team. And uh, he's the one that's, you know, out-fragging everybody on the team, like all the veterans on their team. And when it gets down to, you know, BDS... And some of these other like really good teams, you know, whenever he wasn't performing, they didn't perform. And I think that was kind of what ended up showing in the end is that they didn't really have any strategy going into it. They were kind of just coming hot off the heels of, you know, Tex kind of pulling, pulling them along and backpacking, you know, for the majority of the matches. And then once he wasn't, once he got shut down, like, nobody was there to kind of pick up pick up the pace you know
0: it's funny you say that cuz text like you watch him in group stages and you watch him as they beat chi2 and empire he's clearly the most excited out of all of them <laughs> like, oh yeah jumping yeah jumping up and down and screaming and i mean he was so much fun to watch on the camera um he was so excited cuz you're right like he didn't come in for much and i think right and that really that's what i'm saying
3: to- like once once he got shut down you know like a player like that, like yeah, like when you're on the stage and you're winning big against these big teams, like it feels fucking good. But as soon as you get shut down in the fashion that they got shut down in those mm-hmm. two matches after that, like you, you saw him, it. it was crickets. It was just crickets on on their side <laughs> yeah. of the on their side of the game. So I think that's a I mean,
0: fantastic transition, actually, uh, to take you into the Fnatic versus BDS map.
3: Right. Yeah. Match, so I mean, and that's that's kind of like what I was alluding to, you know. Like, BDS, I kind of picked them from the from the get go. I'm like, there. If anything, Shaiko is going to carry them pretty much all the way through to the to the semifinals. Like, yeah, I I saw that BDS from the get go. Meme, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I saw that happening from the get go. Like, there there really wasn't a team other than other than bds in in europe for sure that was put together the way that they were where they have an extremely standout player that can absolutely backpack against any team doesn't matter who they are and then um they also have a composition of really good players that can pick up the slack whenever he's not you know whenever he gets like capped like off the rip or something because that that does tend to happen like Teams have said before that they specifically try to take out Shaiko, you know, off the rip to eliminate him and kinda like get the edge on their favor. And uh I think that they are just they're well versed in siege, obviously. And they're they I I I don't know if y'all watched any of their matches, but I, I watched pretty much all of their all of their play dates and dude they they strat super heavy, man. They strat super heavy, and it's almost to a fault because they do kind of tend to do this thing that European teams do, where they do one thing really good, and they're always going to do that thing. Kind of, you know, like what Empire is known for is like they're always going to yeah. do this, and everybody knows that they're going to do this. And but I mean, just going through all of their games, they knew what they were doing. Like they they never lost confidence in what they were doing. And when they when they went up against Fnatic, they obviously did their homework and they knew the, the pressure points that you know where Fnatic looked weak. And right off the rip from the first map, they, you know, destroyed them 7-0 on on a, what was it, a Cafe. Destroyed him seven zero. Um Rinshiro literally didn't die the entire match. Um oh, Shaiko no. Shaiko got an ace by literally moving in a radius of five feet. And uh, I mean, they just absolutely demolished them. Um, then they go to map two and Fnatic finally starts getting a little steam by the end of the map. But I mean, it's just not enough. Like mm-hmm. by that time, BDS has already established that they're going to win and they, they know every move that Fnatic is going to make. And that's kind of my point in what I was leading into. like. Fnatic, they looked good, but they didn't have any strat at all. Like, they had no strategy at all. Every time they attacked, every time they defended, as soon as whatever they're doing didn't work, they just fell apart. And they had little to no you know uh, kind of fluidity throughout any of the matches, and I think that's what ended up, you know, taking them out. Off and the top then of your head,
0: uh any, does anybody know if uh Fnatic has a coach or analyst? Now I'm kind of curious. It's they have a coach. coach they they got yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Drizzle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Drizzle. Yeah. Nice
2: nice big old beard. All right, <laughs> no. Uh, sorry. Curly, curly, hair. I don't think he's got a beard anymore. I think he shaved it. I don't know. I don't know. Either, way. either way, sorry. It's
3: it's yeah, drizzle.
0: Yeah, I, okay. Okay. I was just curious.
3: But I, I do think that Fnatic can be a contender. I just think that like I said, they I mean, they have Virtue and Mentalist, who are two really good players, but they have to show up. Like, if Texas new, like, once he, like, gets acclimated and kind of gets out of this, like, you know, Ash mentality where he just runs in and tries to, you know, be an Ash player. Once he is able to kind of be dynamic out of that role, like, that'll be good for him. But they also need to be able to pick up some slack on their end. You know, and I, I think they'll be a contender for sure um, down the road. Yep. But uh, they get knocked out. BDS goes on to play Nip. And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, what is going to happen? Because it, in my mind, like, these are the two best in, in Europe and in Latam, Like, who's going to come out of this? And essentially, it was the elimination match eliminating a whole region either way. and. What uh, what ended up happening was they do all uh all rounds like all the way on bank, and it's just like a slugfest. Um, both both teams like kind of have missteps that end up costing like a definite win at some point during that map. But in the end, uh, NIP ends up getting the upper hand and gets the win in the last round and going into that one thing that was important that uh I think it was Zronic said he was saying that uh he didn't know if they had enough steam to beat nip going into the next map which is their pick on border which nip has been notoriously good on and he wasn't sure if they had enough steam you know that's, that's understandable coming from a a really really close loss like that can really like damper your spirits so going into that it's like questionable whether or not they can even beat nip on their map pick but dude they they come out they get some excellent uh uh um operator bands like target bands on some of their some of nip strategies and end up winning the map and so you're like okay this is like this is what you're you're wanting you know like to see you know back and forth or whatever and then by the time they get to the last map, it's just like it starts this like landslide going towards uh, Nip uh, about halfway through the matchup and ultimately ends up going their way just because Pino wakes the fuck up. And like, I've never seen somebody play like that kid. Like, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. And the, the funny thing was, Muzi was the standout player in the first two maps. And he was just like going off, going off, going off. And everybody else was kind of like, you know, in the middle of the pack, just kind of like holding their own. And then in the second or the third game or whatever, Pino just wakes the fuck up and starts going off. And him and him and Moosey both are just like going crazy. Like is is insane. And then that ends up leading into their next win where but they just basically just keep the same pace throughout the rest of the tournament. And that's why I thought that, that matchup with BDS was, was pretty interesting because, like, Zeronic made the comment, like, I don't know if they have, you know, the steam to, like, keep this up, you know, in, in reference to BDS. But I kind of had the same thought when it came to Nip. I'm like, shit, man, they're, they're about to have to, get, like, go play another really good team, like, right after this. And then right after that. And it's like...
1: Their dude, run they, was impressive. Like, they, Nip's, yeah, Nip's like, run they through they that never, loser bracket was impressive as hell.
3: Yeah, they never mm-hmm. fucking let up after that BDS match. And it was crazy seeing that because it was literally like a springboard. Like, they they hit that matchup and literally launched off. Like, all of their players just lit the fuck up. And it was, like you said, it was incredible to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. So my question to you is... Um, are we seeing a shift away from EU, do you think from this invitational or do you think that maybe Oh EU for sure isn't prepared Yeah For, or...
3: for sure. like I, I think we kind of alluded to this in past podcasts. Um, not that not that EU is you know like they're done for or anything. I just think that a lot of these other teams in different regions are they've, they've got some real talent, obviously, and a lot of them are younger. Um, which isn't a bad thing, but it, it helps like kind of nurture this, this, uh, this play style where it's like, you can come, come at things at a new angle almost. I don't, I don't know if I'm like wording that correctly, but like you, yeah. you're not coming at it the same old way. Like, like what I was saying, European teams tend to like strat out really heavy and they just do that over and over and over until they're like, can do it perfectly but you know it, it, when it comes down to it it's like what happens when you can't do that perfectly what happens when they target ban you what happens mm-hmm. when they intentionally try to kill your top fragger aka shiko like what do you do to adjust to that stuff and i think that's what ended up knocking all the european teams out is they at the end of the day they weren't flexible enough whereas mm-hmm. latam obviously proved that they are extremely flexible like Every matchup that nip had, it didn't matter who they were playing; they knew how to bend to to you know basically circumvent anything that they were doing and and on top of that, man, talk about drone work like literally I've never seen a team drone like they do like they literally dismantled entire strategies and plays just by droning like i think i think one of the i can't remember. One of the announcers talked about how teams would say whenever you play against a Latam team that uh-huh. you would I know, get droned yeah. yeah, you would get droned and then immediately somebody was on your ass and you'd had no idea where you got shot from and like a chokehold. Yeah, and that that was pretty impressive, man. Like like I said, I haven't seen a team work like that and it, it's pretty impressive, man. They they knew exactly where to attack, where people are coming from at at all times. And that's why they were able to play play like that. Like there were times where where Nip would be like literally 20 seconds, 15 seconds, you know, on attack. And they're not even in the site yet. And then within those fifteen, twenty seconds, they just all collapse on site and somehow like win gun fights, like outplay them, and the defense is just sitting there. On their ass like they they have no idea what just happened, and they did that time and time again, and that's why they ended up getting so far yeah,
2: yeah just look at looking at uh, one, one quick thing here talking about just just to cover nip real quick uh I looked up while Killen was explaining, I looked up on siege.gg all the stats from the playoffs, and um nip as a team, four out of the five players had a one point zero five rating or higher yes. Now, if you look at BDS, uh-huh. there was only two, Alems right. and Shiko. If you look at, I think it was DZ they played also. DZ had three, but you had Mint and Eclipse not playing well. And right. G2 had three of them, 1.01 or above. But then again, Fabian and Sir Boss had terrible ratings. So right. I, it, it comes into effect, the, the rest of the lineup coming to play and ready to play.
3: Yeah, and the, and the fact of the matter is, they held those ratings from playing more matches than most of those teams. So they played more matches and had better stats than all these other teams, like they had better stats percent. than uh than space station, and space station only played three games
2: Julio had a plus fifty <laughs> k d yeah <laughs> one seventy to one twenty
3: k d yeah crazy oh yeah,
0: crazy good, stuff, good stuff, all right, and that kind of leads us into the final, which i i'm sure everybody's seen it so i'm gonna just kind of briefly touch on it but i think it is very impressive and i love that this is the case last year last year we were looking at a all eu final and it was that way i'm trying to think 2018 was versus eg right it was Uh eg and penta Uh yeah and it was um continuum and somebody else before that anyway um But uh, last year it was an all EU final. And, you know, we didn't even see G2 at the stage. This year it's a Latam and and a kind of like the dumping grounds of Pro League or what was considered, you know, three, four months before the dumping grounds of Pro League. So I think it's really something to say that things are changing, things are shuffling. Siege is getting more competitive. You can't just rely on a common strat between everybody you know i i think that we're getting to see that siege is more and more um competitive i think is the way to put it yeah um All i right. also just want to say with the loser bracket system that they decided to go with i do not think that space station would have been able to pull away with the win unless with without that extra unless map. they
3: got the yeah yep. the number one i do not seed. think yeah
0: uh, and i I think I I don't necessarily say that in a way that I don't think that the map should be there or that that they shouldn't have had that option. I think they definitely should have got a significant advantage, and giving them a map is a perfectly fine choice. They definitely right. should have had an advantage because they did a full winners bracket run. Now, right. Another thing to think about, and Don, I, I'm giving you a trigger warning right now. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'll brace. I'll brace myself. I'm gonna go ahead okay. and.
1: I'm gonna clutch my pearls in
0: anticipation. So I'm saying I'm saying the words. I'm saying white stairs, okay? You look bad. You look I gotta at say
1: I gotta say real quick. At this point, you've desensitized me to the white stairs. Like the amount of times you throw that on my face, I'm desensitized. Not even I'm not even flustered. So continue, sir. Have that on your green screen, please. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Oh.
2: Continue.
0: And <laughs> just have it play back in the background. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, as you were saying i just say that from a perspective i bring up white stairs because um you know we we saw canadian up there in milan uh, almost to get the win and then he gets steamrolled by empire right that was about to happen uh, it was the opposite direction they were getting steamrolled and then they slowly pick up steam in the opposite direction how great is that for canadian what is what a fucking storyline right like, yeah. how great is that? And for somebody who's tried so hard, and especially over this last year, breaking away from the team that he's been with for over two years and making those moves, I'm so happy for Canadian. I think if there's anything oh, yeah. that I'm happy for, as far as storylines go from this, it's, it, it's I'm happy for Canadian. I'm glad that he's winning. I'm glad that he found a team that he can actually, like, vibe with. I think at one time he did with EG, but I just don't think that's the case now. And i um, I think that's a cool storyline. I think that's awesome.
3: Well, and and like what you're saying, like last year's storyline was pretty dull and flat. And this year's storyline, especially with the Canadian storyline, like that was that was definitely like a big focal point. Like he's he's in Montreal, he's in like his country. Like uh. they have all these space station game gaming fans in the in the audience, and I think the other storyline is also just as important and also just as riveting. Like, you literally have, like, ten people cheering, all, like, trying to out-cheer the <laughs> yeah. entire arena for Nip the entire time. Like, their whole run through the loser's bracket, like, they're over there, like, Vamos, Nip, like, or whatever. What, Vamos, Ninjas. Uh, yeah. yeah. Vamos, kind of,
2: Ninjas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They,
3: they just kept yelling that over and over. And I'm like, dude, like, honestly... By the by the by the grand final, dude, like I didn't even know who I wanted to win because I literally just watched Nip like just steamroll everybody that they just went up against in the most incredible display of siege like that I've seen in a long time. And I'm just like, I don't know who I want to win. Like, you got these ten mm-hmm. people over here that literally traveled to the other side of the world to, to come watch, you know, their region compete in in the invitational. And then on the other side, you've got Canadian who's, like, had this, like, comeback story of a century, you know. And I'm like, I don't know who I want to win. And and like what you're saying, when, when they finally started getting traction, I think the one thing to note is, like, it wasn't just Canadian all of a sudden, like, woke up and started winning. Or it wasn't just, you know, one player in particular that started picking up steam. It was that the entire team, like, the entire roster of Space Station, they all collectively like put their fucking bootstraps on and were like, We're gonna come back, guys. We're gonna win this. Like and obviously like Canadians, like his support and you know, like morale boosting and stuff, like has something to do <laughs> with that. But I'm just saying, I don't know if state if space station would have been able to pull it back if, you know, only one or two players were like, All right, I'm I'm going in, you know, like mm-hmm. literally the entire team was like, All right, guys, we got this, like we're gonna do this. And you saw that like every single one of them like they all had an impact that ended up leading to the win and dude I, I i'm just saying like nips like that whole that whole like saga leading up to that like that was incredible man like they literally did not stop like they did not hold up and it it took space station like respecting them you know to to finally be able to beat them because i think that You know, even even they, I mean, they were watching them run through the losers bracket. Like they knew what was going on. Like they knew the 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 momentum that they had coming into that match. And you know, those those first couple maps, like the the entire time, like you could tell that they they were not respecting what Nip was bringing to the table. And it took you know them finally like picking up the pieces and saying, "Look, guys." you know, we still got this. We're still in this. And then they started respecting them. Then they started like counter what Nip was doing. And that's what got on the win.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that no one should be looking at this and be like, oh, I can't believe Nip didn't win. Like Nip had a great run. Yeah. It should be very, very proud. Oh, it, it
3: could have been anybody, man. Like it literally been. Anybody. And, yeah. you know, we could probably go back and pick apart the the last match and find you know one place here where like so and so could have did this and changed the outcome you know like that's literally what it came down to and, it, yeah. and like the storyline like Canadian winning and everything like that was great like I think I think anybody would have been satisfied with with either team winning at that point like
1: both teams uh, I, I wanted to be North America I would have
3: been if it
2: wasn't
1: North America I would have been upset but
2: three okay.
3: years.
1: I know.
2: Right. Three years since right. NA won a Invitational. I think
0: right. I would have been okay with it from a regional perspective, with um, you know, Nip winning and being the first Latam team to take away something like on that caliber. Um yeah. But also, like, it's such a personal story for Canadian and right. I, like, as much as it's cool that NA is winning again, I think it. I think I really view this as more of a personal story with his win and everything. So so, what happens
3: at the major? Does does Nip come and uh, sweep everybody? <laughs> Maybe. No. Maybe. <laughs> you don't think right. so? No, because <laughs> yeah. things change
2: by the month, the the the, the day, yeah. the week. Everything Great. changes. I, th- I think it's just well, a,
3: well a EU rosters especially. <laughs> and we'll get into that. Don't <laughs> you
2: yeah. worry? We're
0: getting into that. All right. On the I think that's a good Transition. We're gonna let Sin take away. He kind of wanted to go over uh, TSM in general over the course of the event. So go ahead. All right. So, to start off, uh TSM from from
2: the beginning of them coming into the Pro League scene in general, uh, I believe they were like the spot right before relegation. So, they barely hung on to not get relegated or, you know, obviously go through that process. And within a matter of one season, they flip it around and they're the top team in NA halfway through the season. With the hype train of that coming into the Invitational, um, definitely it it was awesome to see them plus, uh, DZ and SSG both make all three make it to the playoffs. Uh, Wreck, on the other hand, a little disappointing, would have been nice to see all four, but it is what it is. We still got three NA teams, which was the most out of the entire playoffs. So that's awesome, but, um, yeah, you know, the TSM's run in general was not surprising. Obviously, as of current, but if you just look back on the fact that they were literally one spot from being relegated the season before, flipping the whole page around and you know telling everyone we're we're here to play. Like right. Bolo, when does Bolo play? He plays right <laughs> now, and he is going to dominate. Like right. the the whole the whole you know thing with TSM, I think is just awesome. Yes, that also transitions into the fact that they played they played SSG twice they were better the second time around almost winning it and that potentially going into the number one spot in the finals um but obviously that didn't happen and then you know obviously that i think that that lost ssg the second time around definitely took a em. hard hit yeah. because you saw it the next morning when they played nip and don't get me they, wrong they nip, were was nip, 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 yeah they weren't mentally they were not there at all and don't get me wrong, Nip was also on a killing spree of anyone in that lower bracket. But with the, the hype of TSM, I thought, okay, maybe they still have a chance, you know, because they made it to the semifinals in the upper bracket. But no, they literally had their tail between their legs the entire time, and it was kind of well, upsetting, to be honest.
3: Well, I think the kind of cool thing that I, that I noted about it was even in the loss to Nip, the one player that was still... Seemingly trying and putting up like a decent you know uh, a decent uh, score effort was uh bolo and I think when he first came in, like he kind of really got a lot of hate, not hate, but just like he got a lot of scrutiny just because it's like, oh, it's this you know you know knucklehead. Kid, like you young whippersnapper, yeah, like this YouTuber <laughs> who puts out like these stupid, like crazy flicks. He's probably like playing against Bronze player, players and shit. And like, you know, like, oh, like he's never gonna do that good in Pro League, like, he's never gonna be able to do the things that he does, like, in his videos in Pro League. And then, like, when he comes in, like, he's obviously, you know, it took him a while to kind of get accustomed to Pro League and like playing in a pro scene, playing against these these players that are just on a whole nother level. And I think seeing that even, even in that last matchup, like Bolo isn't, he's not the fragger for TSM. Like Mm-mm. he's not the fragger on their team. It's achieved in Merc. Right. Like, not and, Geo. Right. And I'm like, those, those two guys, I mean, they didn't show up at all in the NIP game. And Bolo's just out here. Like, He's winning, you know, one v fours. Like he's winning, you know, like like he's going up against two people at the same time, winning gunfights, and all the while, like Merck and achieved or every... like Merk didn't do anything. The like through any of the games, I think he he ended up having the worst rating. Like I think he had a worse rating than Pojo. No, which... he didn't. Oh, he didn't.
2: I'm looking at it right now. You said Merck, right? Yeah. Yeah. He had a 1.01. Pojo had a 0.89.
3: Yeah. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Pojo's usually their, like, bottom rating guy just because he's, like... He's support, support hard bridge. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, the fact that Bolo's coming out here, you know, even when his team's down, like, even when they're, you know, not performing, they're not there, he's still trying. And I thought that was that was cool. Like, it, it really showed me, like, look, Bolo, like, say what you will about him, but the kid is young, and the fact that he's coming out here... You know, like, proving everybody wrong, like, I think that's great. And that, that's, like, what I was saying about these other teams that have young players. Like, Pino and, and Muzi, like, they're pretty much Bolo, you know, just mm-hmm. Latam. And they're coming out here and, like, they're proving that they're not fucking around. Like, <laughs> you know, and I, I, think, it's, I think it's a, a shift in, in the whole, whole trend that we're seeing in C's. Like, you've got these kids that are really talented out here and, you know, they're, they're wanting to show out.
2: And that and that kind of leads into, uh, I'm gonna lead it into my the next you know topic of. Lean Killam, you brought it up, was the trade de- trade deadline. I believe the deadline finished yesterday. If I could be wrong, I think you're right. I think yes, you're, right. you're right. Yeah. You're right. So yesterday was the last day that teams could drop and add players to the rosters. And so there is a lot to talk about here, gentlemen. So we're gonna get right into it. And the total TSM part uh, was the first thing I saw. Was their coach Bagel? He got dropped immediately, like right after the Invitational. They put him in the toaster. You, you should literally, (laughs) bro. You get third place at the Invitational and still win a hefty amount of money for your organization. And Mm. the the tweet that he tweeted out was more so that they didn't have the same view or something, which I just I just don't understand at all. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on them dropping him right away?
1: There must be stuff minutes. behind the scene that we're yeah. not seeing, right? I mean, yeah. right? Like I would think
2: so. I feel like that's the only 100%. the only
3: thing. And and honestly, I don't I don't attribute TSM's uh, like what you're what you're talking about earlier, like TSM's kind of rise this season. I don't really attribute that to Bagel. I think it. I think their rise this season was purely based off the fact that they got a really good roster this year and you know, halfway through the season, I think that they finally got their synergy down and they figured out what kind of team they are. And I don't think that bagel is, is the one that that, did that. I, I literally think that it's just, off I, the fact that they have really good players on their team.
2: I don't I, I'm not and I'm not saying that it is Bagel's a big part of it. He is a small part right. of it just as, you know, the rest of the lineup is the lineup obviously is the players. So they obviously get more credit to the wins than the coach. But it it was just shocking to me. Right. Um so after Bagel was released from TSM, e United picked him up. Uh so he will be coaching Yeti and that squad coming right. into uh, the and I and I guess I guess appetite. he can
3: prove me wrong then. If if he can if he can turn EU into a good team, then then he can prove me wrong because they have good players too, but I don't see them turning up like TSM does.
2: I agree. Uh so I am just gonna read off the rest of the trades that have happened to my knowledge, uh, and then we can talk about that briefly, and then I'm gonna go into some rumors because we all love juicy rumors. <laughs> uh so uh reciprocity they dropped nix and retro mm-hmm. and then the process picked up biologic who was on i believe it was PogChamp going through challenger league because i actually played him uh and mm-hmm. he was going through challenger league and then there's the whole challenger league issue going on right now but we're not even gonna get into that um and they also picked up slash hug uh then yeah. we have Uh, luminosity picking up jarvis so player that was also on tsm that got dropped way back and now is back in the scene uh tempo storm picking up mark that was originally on reciprocity uh Uh, that's it for na that i have for eu we have penta basically kind of doing a whole house cleanup Going on. Uh I know they have enemy left. I'm not too sure of the rest of the lineup, but it's majorly new. Uh they dropped Blaz and Sir Boss. Uh Navi dropped Citizen and Pi. You have Secret picking up Munis. He's officially back in the scene for I don't know how what how many times th- he's back. Um, and then to round it off, G2 officially confirmed they dropped apparently Sir Boss because they obviously had him for the invitational. Dropped him, dropped crying. Uh So those are the confirmed uh, things. However, the rumors obviously cannot be totally true if the deadline was yesterday. So, but there's still talk. So thoughts on the moves? Uh, which one stuck out to you the most?
0: Uh, not Citizen? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> well, Citizen's not confirmed. We'll get into that one next. Um, but one thing I want to... I want to say is um, I don't really want to get into it too much with what I've seen, but I do think it's a little unfair that Bio wasn't able to play anymore, and he's put out the reason and stuff, and I kind of get it from from an optics standpoint, but I think it really was unfair to him, so I'm really glad to see him back in Pro League. I think he was a really good player. On. did ev-
1: did everyone see penta picking up like a ps4 team? yeah i
0: was
2: gonna mention <laughs> that but i didn't know if we wanted to get into the whole console thing they picked up i think uh, it was a german
1: ps4 i team. don't even, I don't even know yet.
2: yes siege ps4 team. okay we yeah have no idea why i was so confused and still am i,
3: I don't know what they're
0: know about
3: i don't know Console thought that was funny. coming back what uh so, uh, speaking of rumors, I don't—I never like completely followed the thread on this, but I saw like several people talking about, um, Hundred Thieves possibly.
0: Ooh. A thieves team. Mm-hmm. 100 Thieves has been rumored for a while. Right.
2: They're supposedly, uh, and Nate Shot—I believe he's the uh, right. co-founder or whatever of Hundred Thieves. He mm. came to <sighs> Reddit because that R6 ebot person <laughs> just was going crazy all over Twitter and so Nate Shot came out himself and said that uh teams in the past have actually or players have asked to been bought out by 100 Thieves right. and then put them on uh make 100 Thieves R6 team themselves. Well, Which I, I think it would be cool. I think right. it would be dope. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, it, that goes along with what they've been talking about with this coming up season. They wanted to add more pro league teams, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So, we I mean, that's kind of why I when I saw that. that, I'm like, you know, that kind of makes sense. Well, that know, also like...
1: goes along with the rumors about franchising, which is what, like, like, I've heard some people speculate that is coming up for Rainbow Six is it's not going to be like teams going in and out you're going to have like the same NA teams all the time you're going to have x right. teams that are always in pro league kind of like NFL where you have like the same you know
2: so that's right. why there's this whole challenger league issue kind of thing
1: that's what the rumor is I don't know if there's any truth to it but that's yeah that's the rumor. that's how
2: I kind of see it, is like challenger leagues basically pointless it's kind of like the combine you just play to show right. off
1: and hope to get picked up by someone. Yeah,
2: yeah pretty much. It's like free agencies. Right. Um, but so if we're talking uh, some some rumors that have been going around, uh, Sam actually brought this up to me because uh, I saw it in chat, was potentially Fabian leaving G2 and joining Vitality. Mm. Uh, that's There's a big talks. one. There's talks going on and possible I talks could... of, hold, hold on. here. Hold There's the kicker. Panix from BDX, BDS, and Citizen joining
0: G two. Okay, uh, Panix is joining Navi, is what Sheep just said. Oh, um, Panix is confirmed joining Navi. Navi's team speak. There's, there's pics of. Uh, apparently, there's a rumor going around, or like a leak, or something. Huh. Hmm.
3: I d- look when I when I saw that they dropped Citizen, I was like, I was really surprised, and they honestly, it made me think a that Citizen they didn't to leave. Right. And I, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I don't think that they would just drop Citizen. He was their best player. I think that he wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the way that they announced he got dropped was pretty suspect, too. Like they said that, uh, I can't remember what the graphic said, but it was something like Citizen is benched or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or, it, it was. And yeah. It, yeah. And it's yeah, like, he
0: was benched and still on uh, contract. So right. they were like, going to what? release him, was the worst part about it.
3: Right. And I'm like, what is this mess? And, but that's when I started thinking like, well, maybe he's, he's like, there's like stuff going on behind the scenes where he's like in talks with another team or something like that. So, I mean, him going to G2, like wouldn't be surprising. Um, I mean, it would make, you know, kind of all this other, you know, nonsensical stuff make sense. But um, if, if that's the case, I, I see G2 actually being pretty good because I know that, uh, I mean, I know that, that those guys on G two, they play with a lot of the Navi guys like all the time, mm-hmm. like in ranked and shit. Um, so I mean they already kinda have like this whole kind of camaraderie and, and everything. So I mean maybe that can translate. I don't know. I mean I know Pingo plays with like Junus and um obviously he Pi. still plays a Goga also. Yeah, still. Pi, Goga, like all those guys.
2: Yeah, just so, to confirm it just say citizen is bench, I just looked it up. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But then so, they release. At the... Yeah, go ahead. You're
0: fine. I think at the end of the day, it it is known that G2 needs a big change. They're not yeah. the same team that they were, and they need to need to change something to be able to to uh, rectify that. And I think, as much as I hate to say it, Fabian leaving might be a good thing. It might be. Yeah. Um, I'm a G2 fan. Like that's my team, and I I still say you know I think <laughs> I, I think I know that's hard for you for to change. say. <laughs> I actually, it's, actually it's really not. It's, it's really not. Like, I want what's best for a team, and I don't want to see any – and even teams I don't necessarily like, I still don't necessarily want to see them, like, suffer in the way that G2 has, right. where it's like clearly something is not right, and they're trying to hold on to what they used to know, and it's not working. And I, I hate to see teams uh, act like – I, I want to see the best games possible. And I'm if G2 is so just going to continue to go in the direction they're going, they're not giving their best, you know? And then i will do something to change the team. So one thing I wanted to say on the franchise system um, potentially is that is a little concerning. I hope, I hope, I hope that they know what they're doing when it comes to franchising because clearly Overwatch League and clearly COD World League do not know what they're doing. 45 million for a slot is insane. If you didn't. Okay. The fact that they missed out on getting a hundred thieves into COD World League blows my mind. You said
2: 40 mil
1: it is 40, it's crazy 40, do you know yeah. what
2: the, 65 do, mil do you know what the entry for cod
0: is that that's what it was 45 that's it's 65, like 65 a hundred.
2: call of duty i swear it was like a 100 mil
0: i think there were some spots that were uh, like upwards of like big million. money yeah. either
1: way it's crazy right i mean yeah it's yeah, it's yeah, way money. too much money.
0: I don't, way i'm just much. glad that we I'm, we have the best team i'm fine <laughs> okay i understand that atlanta phase is good <laughs> Dude, they are um, crazy good. Holy they're, shit they're man. Look, I don't even country. watch COD League, but I've I, I, like
3: kept up with them this year and I'm like, holy fuck these guys like this is like no competition.
0: Yeah. I do I do like I'm okay with a franchise system. I actually think it's good for the viewers because it's less confusing. But also at the end of the day, I hope they know what they're doing. I hope yeah. that they don't just go and be like, all right, these franchise spots are gonna be even for Siege, I think three to five mil is too much. You know, I think I think if they said like, okay, each franchise spots about one to two mil, you get locked to a city. That's okay. I I, I understand that. But if we're starting to talk upwards of three to five to ten mil, that's too much.
3: Honestly, I think they should just continue what they have set up for this year. I think they should continue that for another two years or so and see. Because honestly, like they need to they need to grow the esports of Siege a lot more before I think that franchising should even be a thing. Because at this point, like, I mean, granted, okay, like this last Invitational was like the most viewed in like siege event in in history or whatever, and like the 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 setup like at the venue and everything was like really good, like very professional, like pretty much no hiccups. Like, I don't, did were there any matches where they had to reset?
1: Yeah, there was like there only were, like, like one. There's like one or two rehosts, I think, if I recall right. correctly. I I, yeah.
3: I did notice that it was like. It was pretty seamless. Yeah, it it seemed to like run a lot better than past events.
1: They had like videos queued up. So if you go back and watch anytime they, in the middle of a match, they did like a team video, like get to know the team. That was when they were having technical difficulties. It happened a couple times, but it wasn't much. It was was really seamless.
3: Right. That's good that they prepared for things like that, you know? But the, the (laughs) the point that I'm saying, that I'm trying to make is like, I think that they need to like keep fleshing out. The, the whole esports of siege a little bit more before we start franchising teams because i, I would, honestly it doesn't make sense at this point like like you're saying like at at max a, a team franchise would be like three mil whereas you've got call of duty over here charging like 100 mil for for, a view-
1: for viewers it makes sense though so like my wife watches right. it with me uh and like, it's always difficult for her to keep up with, like, well, now who the hell's BDS? Oh, that used to be Lestream or right, what, right, you know, right. whatever. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying? Like, how literally right. this past year it's been like, who are these oh, people? Yeah. Well, they were Giants, but now right. Giants is in APAC and the people from yeah, Giants right. are now Just on like, right. right. yeah. yeah, like it's confusing for the person who's not well, like a diehard, you know.
3: Well, I, I'm like, what I'm saying is like the way that it's been structured, like going into this year. Like, how they're saying, like, all right, there's no more relegations. Like, these are the teams kind of thing. Like, we're kind of doing it in the way of a challenger league. I think they're setting up for that where it's like, okay, these are the teams. So, if if you want other players, like, the players have to move around amongst these teams kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, no more, like, this team going over to this country, this team, you know, going to the other side of the world kind of stuff. I think they need to kind of keep fleshing out the way that it's working right now and seeing, like, because I, I think that the viewership grows from that, like like what you're saying, like, it's hard to keep up with what the hell's mm. going on. Because um, otherwise, you're trying to sit there as a viewer, not really knowing what's going on, and making sense of a game that has a lot, you know, built into it, like a lot, a lot of stuff packed into it. It's not Call of Duty, where it's like, oh, they're running around shooting each other, like, you know, like, Caesar's a lot I'm more sure. than that. And... I think that they they really need to keep fleshing out the whole esports of Siege before they start doing something like that.
1: It may be premature.
3: I mean, you may be right. It may be premature, mm-hmm.
1: but it's also a Sin, rumor. It may not even be true. <laughs>
3: right, right. Sin, what do you
2: think? Uh, the whole uh, it's franchising and all that jazz. I mean, that's just a business standpoint at that point. Um. So looking at it from a viewer I mean, yeah, it makes sense and all that jazz. But I mean, all we want to do is see people play. I yeah, mean, that's true. I, then again, right. this 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 makes great content for social media, sure, and all that. But at the end of the day, we just want to see Bolo play. We want to see <laughs> we want to see Rampy tear it up with Buck. We want to see Canadian tell Geo to stop playing Twitch. We want people to, we want people to just just make those moments to see those moments for what they are and not for you know the whole money thing but i mean i get it from their standpoint and all that jazz
3: well and I, that's kind of what i'm saying like i feel like siege like the people that watch siege tournaments and pro league and stuff like that like i feel like in general it's mostly people like us not not to the our extent like where we literally do podcasts about it but it's people that play Siege. Like, they understand Siege, so they're the people that watch it. And I think that's kind of the, the hump that Rainbow has to get over. Like, they have to figure out some way to get the random person to watch it. And, and that's why, like, when you, when you watch, like, the Invitational and stuff, you'll, you'll see, like, the casters, like, explaining the most simplest things in the game. And they they say that they're doing that because, you know, they're like on the top page on Twitch, so there's like literally random people joining in the stream and they don't know what's going on. And I think that's good that they do that, that they're like acknowledging the fact that all right, we have this kind of prime time slot and you've got people joining in the stream that have never seen siege before, or at least like sat down and watched siege, like they know of the game, maybe. But I think that's good that they do that, but I don't know. I feel like franchising doesn't really clarify anything to a new viewer of Siege, um, to the point maybe that they're trying to try to the point that they think it may. You know, Um, I think they're they they may have to do something else in order. The only
2: the only thing I see with the franchise thing is that means something to the organizations
1: and the players. That's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. So I think this is the most important question. I don't know about you all, but I'm itching to go frag out. Who here wants to go? <laughs> here wants yeah. to go play some CS? Yeah, exactly. like, I don't know about you all, but I'm Gosh. I'm itching to yeah, frag out now.
2: Yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. I'm ready to. I, freaking I think we're get gonna, call gonna a here, guys.
0: <laughs> Do we have anything else you guys want to leave out on any any final final thoughts? Um, right.
1: um next week, new
0: season. Uh, uh, i guess they haven't announced
2: but no there maybe? was a uh, what's it called core ross i think is his youtube yeah. channel he said yeah, his, prediction his prediction is the tuesday of the march 10th he's usually he's right. usually pretty so close. that's next tuesday well, then right, if, right. you think test servers i believe it was like i forget how long ago it was maybe it was it's last educational they said three weeks so after yeah. three weeks you know just assume it's that
0: tuesday yeah. sweet okay well we will be back on track this week um for the podcast and then i will be out for the next two weeks just to kind of let you guys know what's going on um besides that we will be back on saturday so we'll see you all then
2: Bye. Bye. bye